Welcome to another edition of the No BS DFS podcast. I'm your host, Joe, with my co-host, Nick, here, bringing you guys the Arnold Palmer Invitationals this week, which, before we get into that, though, let's recap last week. So, Nick, how'd you do? What's your thoughts on how you, uh, how you're, um, how you did last week? Yeah, I mean, it was just a week of what-ifs. Um, I almost took down this the major satellite, $120. You had to get first of 69 but I only had five make the cut. But at one point on Sunday, even though I only had five, I was in second place. But I just – Russell Henley ended up catching a fried egg in the bunker in the, uh, the bear trap. So that kind of squashed me, but – so DraftKings, I went about uh, quite a bit negative. I spent two twenty, and I got back thirty eight bucks. But luckily, I uh, found Sung J M on the weekend, kicking off Saturday at sixteen to one. So I put twenty bucks on him, and I got back three hundred forty. So all in all, I profited just over a hundred bucks last week. So that was nice. Um, but yeah, it was nothing special. But just just tells me you know you just got to keep trusting the process and uh, eventually you're going to get rewarded exactly all right so for me yeah I had another great week it wasn't as great as at the WGC it sure looked like it but after two rounds but you know a lot of my guys they just didn't play well in the third and just because of the crazy weather and tough conditions and course you know like you said anything can happen and uh, so anyway, though, I did have, as far as who, some shares I had, I mean, I had another profitable week. It wasn't, you know, as great as at, the, like I said, at WGC, but I had M, Sung JM on some lineups. Um, you know, some guy, and like my big guy that I picked that was really low and that did great was Cameron Davis. It's really came through for me, finished eighth. And, uh, yeah, like I said, I mean, you know, after two rounds, I was way up there as far as, but my guys, because I had some exposure to like Shane Lowry and, um, you know, um, and he just kind of didn't play as well on the weekend. Um, so, and like JT Poston, I had some exposure to him as well. And they just kind of choked on the weekend. So, but all in all, I still ended up profiting. I made like five or six lineups. They all, everyone made the cut on all of them. Like some guy, some other guys I had was like Bud Cauley, Ian Poulter, um, Gary Woodland, Sam Burns, which he really choked on the weekend, but still made the cut. So still helped me, you know, have some decent profit and really excited for this week, a lot better field. And then obviously next week is going to be a fantastic week. The players coming up, so can't wait for that. But before we, obviously, before we do that, we got the Arnold Palmer this week, which is still pretty solid field. So, yeah, we'll start out with the weather. So, what I found out for the weather this week at, at Bay Hill is that it looks like it's going to be very gusty uh, all four days. Um, as of right now, it looks like 21-mile-per-hour winds on Thursday, then 16, 17. And then, like, 60-mile-an-hour winds Friday, 70-mile-per-hour uh, winds Saturday, Sunday, 15-mile-per-hour winds. So, it's all right around that. So, it's going to be pretty gusty. Um, so, obviously, when you're making your lineups, when it comes closer, the recording on Tuesday morning here, but you um, 
you know, you want to see the tea times, uh, you know, the waves of the tea times come Thursday and Friday and see what, you know, if that maybe makes you change your mind based on, you know, obviously they might uh, have some advantage depending on how the wind's blowing at the time. So other than that, it looks like, you know, not really any chance of rain, though. It's actually going to be quite cold, uh, you know, I mean, only in the low 60s besides Thursday. So, yeah, you know, another likely just like we saw last year here, the winning score was you know, like right around like 12 under or something. So, you know, um, obviously I'm expe- kind of expecting that again. It's probably going to be like last week. It's going to be not a birdie fest at all, really. This course is one of the toughest courses on tour as of late as well. Um, I believe it ranks in the top 10 or 15 courses as far as toughness and with these heavy winds and you know nine out of the 18 holes I found out water hazard you know water hazards in play there's bunkers all over the place so it's gonna be a tough track for these guys this week but yeah uh, Nick what did you find out as far as any you want to add on weather and then give us your key stats that you like this week yeah it's just it's always important to know that when it's as windy as it's going to be forecasted for this week, you just got to know anybody can make or miss the cut. It really, the wind is a great equalizer. So um, don't, don't be surprised if some scrubs make it and some studs miss it. So just keep that in mind. But uh, some key stats that will transition into that. Um, looking at past leaderboards, you can clearly tell bombers have an advantage on here. I mean, they, they pepper the leaderboard year after year. So, you know, I noticed guys like Luke List, even though he's not in the field, he's always up there. and Just a lot of other bombers. I've seen Adam Long up there. Uh, you know, even though they're not the greatest golfers, just their length off the tee really helps them do well here. And then, uh, obviously, bombers have an advantage, but uh, long irons. If you're good at long irons, then uh, you're going to be doing just fine around here. So... The thing to take away from that is um, there's going to be a lot of approaches from 200 yards or more here just because all the par threes are really long. And then uh, the par fives, they're all gettable. So, you know, let's say you drive at 300, you probably have 200 to 240 left, maybe 260 if you're not very long off the tee. But so if you're good at, you know, a five iron, four iron, whatever, you'll probably do fine. But uh, something to keep in mind, just obviously we don't know, but is the wind. You know, if, if the wind's going into you, then uh, the bombers really have an advantage because then the short knockers are going to have to lay up. They're just not going to be able to reach the green in two on those par fives. But if the wind's going with them, I mean, still, the bombers have an advantage because instead of a five iron they're going to be hitting an eight iron and it's just so much more likely they hit a good shot with an eight you know what i mean so uh yeah just gotta pick the bombers and then i also found that there's a lot of bunkers so i always like sand safe percentage i just i hate when my guys don't get up and down out of the bunker so that's always important for me also uh scrambling around the green i feel like that's going to be important for uh the windy conditions that we're going to be facing because, you know, they might strike it the way they wanted to, but they might catch a gust of wind. And then all of a sudden they're five yards into the rough. So probably going to have your fair share of times where you're going to need to get up and down and save par. And uh, yeah, that's 
some then I guess some specific things that I'm looking at is approaches from 200 plus and then uh par five birdie or better because that's where a lot of the scoring is going to come from this week all right yep exactly so yeah just to add on definitely a lot of agreement between us um yeah just one thing i want to mention though this week is you know um it's still regarded as an invitational so actually um no, I don't have the exact number in front of me of the field, uh, but I know that, you know, 65 and ties, and I believe there's like right around 100. Um, there's a know, like 126. Yeah, so basically is like, you know, over 50% of the field is going to make the cut. So, you know, obviously just as far as your lineup construction, you could take a little more chances, and we'll get into it in a little bit. But there is some guys that are, cheap, you know, towards the bottom as far as pricing that I'm interested in this week. But. Yeah, as far as the key stats that, uh, um, you know, that I like, um, a lot of agreement for sure. I think, you know, the par fives are gettable, and that's where you're going to take advantage of because, like you mentioned, the par threes here, you know, most of them are over 200 yards. So, obviously, I like guys, well, just, yeah, I like approaches from uh, 200-plus yards. I think that's very important. Um, Like you mentioned, long iron players this week for sure. You know, you want to look into those guys who are great with, like you said, four or five irons. Um, Obviously, ball striking as usual. Course history here I do think is, you know, important. Um, Some some courses it's not as important to me, but this week I think it's important to look at that. Um, And then obviously, you know, another thing, I'm just going to go back to it because of the conditions. And it seemed to prove well for me recently, but bogey avoidance i'm gonna look at that again uh you know because with these heavy winds and all these hazards i just think you know looking at that stat just to kind of see consistency as far as guys that are avoiding those big numbers is important because you know one hole of a sudden you can you know get a double or triple bogey and then you know your tournament's over so um but yeah i also agree with you on sand save percentage slash scrambling i definitely there's a lot of bunkers everywhere it's likely you're going to find one eventually so it's important to be able to, you know, get up and down from there and, you know, avoid a bogey, um, save par. So another thing, too, par three scoring from 200-plus yards, like you said. Mo- you know, most of the par threes are over 200 yards, so they're quite long. So those guys that are, you know, good at scoring, uh, you know, um, at, at longer par threes is very important to look at. And then other than that, I mean – just as a consistency thing, I am – I don't always look at this, but tee to green overall, I kind of like that. Strokes gain tee to green this week, you know, just to add on that. I think just to look at some guys that are just overall very consistent because, you know, I think this course, like the fairways, they're not – some are, like, wider than others, um, you know, but obviously I still – like you said, bombers have an advantage here. Um, but I really think the biggest thing that I'm really looking at is – Guys that are really good with long irons, that's my favorite thing this week. Um, other than that, you know, that's really about it for stats. But one other thing I wanted to mention was a lot of these par fives, it looks like, you know, with these winds, depending on what, what uh, you know, what way the wind's blowing, um, you know, there's, a lot, there's like hazards right before the green. So that's the biggest thing, too. Like you said, you know, these shorter hitters are going to have to lay up because they can't risk you know, they might end up in that hazard more often than the bomber. So just keep in mind in that as far as, 
you know, how you're constructing your team. Just, yeah, there's a lot of potential, you know, big numbers out here, especially with these wins. So, but other than that, yeah, I guess we can get right into the uh, DK breakdown. So, Nick, I'll let you start us off. 9K and above, who you're liking, and then any fades you got. Okay, well, I feel like at this point in the season, you know, we've had enough tournaments to watch where we know who's playing well and, you know, who's the contenders and who's the pretenders. So uh, I'm just going to really just uh, go with the chalk here. I'm going to eat the chalk this week. I'm going with Rory. I'm paying up for his price at 11.8. Uh, it's it's well worth it simply because the guy freaking does it every single week. I mean, look at his last three tournaments that he's played in 2020. Third at the Farmers, fifth at the Genesis, fifth at Mexico. So, I mean, it, fifth is the worst place he's going to get, and it's just only a matter of time before he cracks the number one spot. And then look at his course history here. Last four years, 2016, 27th. 2017 fourth 18 he won it and then last year he got sixth place so the last three years he's gotten the top six every year including one victory in his last three starts this year he's been either third place or fifth place so I just feel like I'm gonna take the odds there I mean his odds are just miles ahead of everybody else as I saw him at five and a half to one and then the next guys were at 18 to one so I just I would be very very nervous if I didn't have my team led by Rory McIlroy this week. So I'm going with Rory. However, if I'm going to stack him with somebody else, that would be my next choice. I would definitely go down to 10-6 at Hideki. Um, he's kind of in a similar boat. He's just playing so good. He just hasn't had the putter to propel him to a victory or a second yet. But his last starts, he's gotten fifth and sixth place. So. His form's right where it needs to be. Um, He's made the cut here every time he's played in the last four years, so that's always good to see. And then uh, I really don't like this this next range in the mid to high 9Ks from Adam Scott down to Brooks um, simply because, uh, I don't know, it just scares me with Sungjae coming off the win Patrick Reed, uh, I don't know. He's just a cheater, so I don't want to root for him. And then uh, Ricky Fowler, just horrible form, obviously. Brooks Kepka, horrible form. But I really do like Jason Day at 9,100. Um, you know, he did he did withdraw here last year, but so you can throw that out the window. And then uh, so the three starts that he has completed – from 2016 to 2018, he got first, 23rd, and 22nd. So Jason likes this course. Um, I feel like he's really a course horse kind of guy. Like he's got his few tracks on tour where he can really light it up. And he's definitely checking the boxes. I mean, he's a bomber. He is uh, – I mean, I don't think he's that good at irons. I feel like that's his weakness. But his putter's so good. He's one of the top five putters every single year on tour. So I just envision – He's on the par five and smashes it down the fairway. And then, you know, he either hits the green and two putts for birdie. Simple as that. Or he misses the green, but his sand safe percentage, he checks the box there. He's going to get up and down. And even if he doesn't hit a great shot, he's a great putter. So 
it's just it's going to be hard for Jason not to go three for four on the par fives every single day making birdie. So I really like Jason Day. And then uh, definitely my fades, my biggest fades that I won't have any exposure to is going to be Fowler, Kepka, and I just I really don't like the price tag of eleven thousand for Tommy Fleetwood. I know he's not going to be bummed out or nothing after after he choked, but I just I don't feel like this is the course for him necessarily because he's not the longest guy on tour. Uh, he's not checking the box in par five birdie or better. He's actually one of the worst on tour, and I don't know. He just didn't seem to have it all on Sunday. And a lot of his shots, because I I had a lot of exposure to him last week, he kind of got lucky throughout the week. Like, he had a few chip-ins and just a little bit skewed stats where he probably wouldn't have done as well as he did if he didn't get lucky on a few holes. So I wouldn't be surprised if Tommy, you know, doesn't get in the top 25. But, yeah, that my favorite plays, just to recap, is Rory. And then uh, Jason Day is my second favorite. And then Hideki would be my third. Okay, sweet. So for me, yeah, I'll just go right at it here. Rory McIlroy at eleven eight. I mean, I can't find myself not wanting to play him. You know, for my strategy, it looks like this week I'm really gonna. Um, I'm probably not. I'm gonna make less teams this week. I'm just not gonna spend as much. I don't think it's just kind of because I'm gonna really spend up heavy next week. So um, even though I've had a couple really good weeks in a row, I just. Uh, so, anyway, I'm just really trying to narrow down my player pool here. Um, and as the week goes on, I'm still not quite where I want to be because I haven't even started making lineups. But, obviously, I'll give you guys my plays here. So, Rory, definitely an 11-8. Uh, you know, I, like I said, I can't find myself not playing. I mean, the guy's – he's the number one player in the world for a reason. Uh, like you mentioned, last three starts, you know, at the Farmers, T3, Genesis finished fifth, WGC finished fifth. You know, he hasn't cracked, cracked a win yet, but I, I, you know, he's the defending champ of the players, which is next week, but I think he could win this week easily. I mean, you know, he's sure he's, uh, you know, kind of beating, uh, beating himself here just because, you know, he's came so close a few different times in a row to winning. and I'm sure he wants to get a win. So, you know, maybe it will come next week. We'll see at that point, but I think it could come this week. You know, there's some guys, based on pricing, there's some guys that are a lot cheaper, especially, you know, over 50% of the field is going to make the cut. So I have no problem paying up for the best player in the world, Rory McIlroy, and don't have to say anything else. Like I said, he's just amazing form, checks all the boxes. So he'll be making uh, my lineups for sure. Uh, another guy I really like that you didn't really talk about a whole lot is uh, Xander. I, you know... I just, I really think, well, here's the thing. So the last few weeks, he has gained absurd amount of strokes and approach. I mean, I think the last few weeks, like uh, like eight to ten stroke, uh, nine strokes uh, gained in approach at WGC. And then before that, the Genesis, he gained like seven strokes, I believe, in, as, as far as his approach shots on the field. So, and just all in all, honestly, you know, he's obviously playing pretty well lately. Um, and at 10,000, I just really, you know, he checks a lot of the boxes. And uh, the reason why, you know, he hasn't won or finished 
you know, greater than he has his last few starts is because his putting's been just not there. His approach, his irons have been absolutely incredible. And, you know, I think that continues this week. And if he can just find a little, you know, momentum on the greens, because, uh, you know, we got Bermuda this week. So I just think he, uh, I don't know, I just, I think he's going to go kind of under the radar a little bit because everyone's going to want to play Rory, which I do too. And like Hideki, like you said, and Bryson and probably will go to M and Reed who are just, you know, the last few winners, they might go to them just as, you know, obviously just feeling good that they're going to keep playing well. But for me, I think Xander goes a little bit under the radar here. I really like him at 10,000 checks all the boxes as far as stats. And, you know, I think he's, I don't know. I just have a feeling. I feel like he uh, definitely could even end up winning this week. Really. I just, if he can find his putter, you know, I think he can contend once again. Um, another guy that I'm kind of intrigued in, I'm not sure yet, but I actually, it's hard to not like these guys, any of these guys, but I do kind of like Bryson again, but I'm leaning, I might end up fading him just because I'm depending on, but I just don't see why he can't do really well again uh, this week. You know, his overall game just – you know, he's obviously like he's a, you know, he's a, he's a bomber uh, and he's just playing, you know, very well across his game, uh, tee to green. So, you know, I don't see why he can't once again, just look at his last few finishes. I mean, WGC finished second, the Genesis fifth. Then yeah, before that, you know, 52nd at the waste management, but I don't see why he can't, you know, notch another top 10 this week. Um at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. So I just like how he's playing right now. And, you know, he just, I don't know. I just feel like he's going to do well. I mean, last year here he finished T46, you know, which isn't great for him. But I don't know. I think he can easily outdo that this year. And so I kind of like Bryson. Uh, I also kind of like Adam Scott. He's obviously hasn't played a whole lot this year, but he uh, is playing well just you know, even though recently I thought, you know, he'd come out a little rusty, but obviously that's not the case. He uh, won at the Genesis and then at WGC finished 26. And with the tough conditions this week, you know, and he has been having great ball striking. I just think, you know, he plays well at tougher tracks like this. So I just kind of like some Adam Scott. Obviously, I'm just trying to narrow down. So all these guys are great, but a bold fade that I'm making and I really – I don't feel great about it. Um, but I'm fading Hideki because I feel like – I feel like when the conditions are perfect, that's where he really dials it in because obviously his putting is just horrible for the most part. Um, but as he's probably the best iron player in the world lately. He's just – you know, obviously he absolutely is killer of strokes gain approach. He dominates with his irons. But with these really windy conditions and everyone seems like Hideki's going to be the most popular play up here at 10-6, I think I'm going to fade him. Just, you know, I, I he easily could do well, but I'm just going to fade him just because of that because I think he could maybe have a bad week because of how bad the conditions are going to be. I would just rather play guys that are, you know, you, more used to it, um, like Adam Scott and Rory. And I just, you know, I just think they can – I just have more confidence they'll do well. And 
you know. Um, and I want to mention these greens are going to be really fast and firm. So I believe so, you know, it's going to be harder to really dial it in. So I actually, that's why I really am looking at another thing sneakily that I'm really thinking about is strokes gain around the green, maybe more so than I realized. Um, but yeah, I just, Hideki's my, my bold fade Fleetwood's a fade for me as well, because just on value here, like, He's the second highest expensive guy, and I know he could contend at any course, but after last week, I feel like, you know, he's obviously not going to let it get to him too much like some other guys would, but I just have a feeling he maybe finishes like T30-something, you know, not and for his price, you need him in the top 10, you know, for sure. So, and I think Rory will do that easily. He's only 800 more, so why not go to Rory, best player in the world? Um, but yeah, other guys really like you, I'm agreement with you. I'm really, uh, you know, I'm going to fade a lot of these guys below 10,000. Um, M I'm fading just out of, he just won, you know, I feel like he's been absolutely grinding, playing all these tournaments, you know, uh, you know, having all these solid finishes and then he finally gets it done and gets a win. So I just feel like He's going to probably make the cut, but maybe he finishes like T40 or something, I feel like. So I just think, and based on people gravitating towards him, um, he's. I'm going to fade him. And basically, I'm going to fade all these guys. Uh, I'm fading Reed, kind of the same reasoning. Doesn't check all the boxes, really, either. Fowler, horrible form. Kepka, horrible form. Rose, horrible form. Just can't trust him right now, either. And then Day, I'm okay with Jason Day, but I feel like same kind of thing. I'm not sure with these conditions. Uh, I don't know. He can play well for sure. I mean, the condition, I guess that doesn't matter for him that much. But I just, he's an okay play. I'm probably just not going to play him, though, because I'm really, I just really like Xander and Rory and, and I'm just not making as many teams. So for me, if you're making a lot of teams, yeah, put them in some teams, you know, just like, you know, I'd put Hideki in some teams. I would too if I if I was making a lot of teams. But if you're making like less than 10 teams, you know, in my opinion, I would just play Rory and Xander and Scott maybe. So, yeah, that's all I got for the 9K and above. So, Nick, why don't you uh, lead us into the 8K range here? Okay, so the 8K range, obviously, everybody's going to be saying it is stacked this week. However, with my strategy of picking Rory up at the top, you know, it's just going to be hard to afford some of these guys. So I'm really not that interested in it. I mean, I like it and all, but just ultimately in DraftKings, you got to have your 6 of 6 and you got to get the winner. And I feel like... You know, if I'm if I'm gonna pick Rory, it just leaves me less money. But you know, if if I were gonna play it, I would probably really like Henrik Stenson. Uh, he he can bomb it. He's great with that trusty three wood. I'm sure he's gonna be hitting a lot of the par fives and two and giving himself opportunities. Uh, he's pretty solid around the greens. It's just his putter can let him down from the short ones sometimes. So. That's the only problem with Stenson. Obviously, we don't know his form coming in, but his course history here is great. I mean, last four years, he's gotten 
a third, a fourth, a 17th, and a missed cut. But still, I mean, that's just incredible. And then also, I really like at 8,700, Benny on. I just I feel like this guy is just due to pop. And for some reason, I feel like when, when a first-time winner breaks through on the PGA, for some reason, it just seems like the very next week, another first-time winner wins again. So that could be Benny on this week. And, uh, you know, he just had the baby. I guess he still has the baby swag going on for him. So, uh, yeah, Ben on. I feel like he's a great play. And then uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick, 8,500. I just saw a stat on him. He's made like 25 cuts in a row or somewhere around that. I mean, it's just incredible. I don't know if those are all on the PGA Tour, but still, I mean, if you want a guy to play in cash, Fitzpatrick and then at 8,400 Morikawa, just plug in those guys and you'll be pretty safe. And then uh, obviously you got Bubba Watson, 8,300. He's volatile, but. He definitely has upside, so if, if you're playing a GPP, I mean, I'm sure he's going to be on the chalkier side, I would guess around 12 to 15%, just because he's cheaper than he's been all season. But, you know, he could definitely pay off for you. And then some fades that I have is going to be uh, 8,600 Mark Leishman. I'm just – I'm not really a Mark Leishman guy. Uh, I just feel like he's not very long. Uh, his, his short game isn't that good. He can get hot with the putter sometimes, which is how he won the Genesis about a month ago. But, you know, if the putter's not there, I mean, don't be surprised if, if Leash misses the cut. I just – I don't really see it happening. And then uh, on another note that I forgot to say about Jason Day is – He's the last Australian that is yet to win from, you know, they're having those fires over there and raising all kinds of money when the Australian golfers win. And, you know, first we had Cam Smith and then we had uh, Mark Leishman the very next week. And then shortly after that, we had Adam Scott. So I just feel like, hey, why couldn't Jason Day win it this time? You know, so playing the narrative a little bit, but sometimes, hey, they work out. And then another fade that I have that I just I really don't like is uh, going to be right at 8,000 Victor Hovland. I was dead on about him last week. He did horrible. I was not impressed with his Puerto Rico win. I just I feel like, you know, he's just playing with little kids over there and it doesn't really mean nothing once when he's going against these big dogs. And I'm going to go right back to fading him again. I just... I feel like his game is, you know, he's got a lot of work to do in order to compete on the PGA Tour. I mean, he can do fine on the Euro Tour and the Asian Tour, but the PGA is a different animal. And he's just, you know, he's a good player and all, and I'm sure he'll definitely get some more victories in his career, but he's just not there quite yet. So those are my fades. Okay, so for me, you know, mostly agreement here, but – my favorite play of this range that you didn't even mention is uh, Tyrell Hatton. I'm not going to let myself. I'm still disgusted by not playing at the WGC when I really liked him and I got off of him because I thought he had, you know, I heard a lot about a wrist injury or whatever else. But you know what? I'm playing him this week probably on every team. The conditions are going to be tough. I think he plays really well in these conditions. He checks a lot of the boxes. So that's all I really got to say. Uh, doesn't have a whole lot of course history here. 
think, well, last year he did finish T29, so solid finish. So I just think, once again, for this price, I like him a lot. I think he's going to go way under the radar. Um, so I like him at 8,100. I'll be playing a lot of Hatton this week. But, yeah, I'm not in love with this range. A lot of these guys obviously strike me as potential value, but at the same time, you know, I don't know. I'm gonna like you said. I like Rory a lot and stuff, and those guys that are a lot more expensive. So I'm gonna be fading most of these guys. But another guy I do really like that we are in disagreement of is Mark Leishman. I rarely play him as well. I I don't know the last time I had him in a team, but he might make a team this week just based on. I feel I, he strikes me as a grinder, and with these conditions this week, once again, I just and he has he won here. Uh, previously um, so and just beyond that he's playing well lately he checks a lot of the boxes um, so I like some leishman um, you know I think he might make a team for me if if I depending on how I construct my teams I mean he finished t23 here last year he's obviously playing pretty well lately so you know I think he'll be pretty alone so I kind of like him uh, then another guy like you mentioned, this is probably everyone's favorite play in this range, which makes me, you know, a little not sure what my thought, full thoughts are on him yet. But I do really like Henrik Stenson as well at 8,800. You know, obviously he has really good course history here, like you mentioned. Um, just, you know, and obviously his, his game sets up well for here. Um, you know, like you said, sometimes his putter lets him down. But, uh, yeah, I really like Henrik. I think he can – obviously, he, this is his first time coming over to the U.S. to play a tournament this year. Um, you know, his finishes in the Euro Tour, obviously not great in January. But he hasn't – so he hasn't played in over a month now. And um, as far as, you know, I'm sure he's been practicing. But So, yeah, I mean – with that being said, maybe he ends up being lower owned because of that. So I might be interested in him more than I think I am at the moment. But I do like Henrik uh, a little bit here. Um, and then everyone else in this range just fades to me. You know, Victor Highland, same thing. Like you said, yeah, just, you know, full agreement with you there. Um, I just I, – he's very volatile, and I just think he's going to miss the cut. And Billy Horschel – Last week, you know, everyone – he ended up actually doing okay, but I I ended up fading him, and I would say it kind of worked out because everyone thought he was going to, like, finish in the top ten no matter what. Like, he was really popular to play. And, every, and, you know, I'm fading him again this week. I just don't think the course sets up great for him. And, you know, even though at 8000 it's an okay price, I just – same with the rest of these guys, really. You know, I just – Morikawa, his putter and around the green game has kind of let him down a lot. His irons are obviously great, but with these tough conditions and, you know, he played here two years ago, but he barely made the cut. And I just – obviously, I agree with you. As far as cash, yeah, you know, I like him for a cash play. He's very consistent. Same with Fitzpatrick. But as far as tournaments, I'm fading them. I just – you know, based on – because I think a lot of people are going to play him, more Kyle and Fitzpatrick. So I'm fading them in tournaments. Really the only guys I'm considering playing are Leishman, Stenson, and I'm playing Hatton for sure. Everyone else is fades for me. It's really all I got. So, yeah, I just – you know, I, I'm, I'm curious on how many people are going to play Tony Finau, but 
same thing. I think, I don't know. I just don't have a good feeling about him this week. And yeah, I think Fino probably, I don't know, bold take. I think he maybe misses the cut, honestly. I know he's a bomber and everything, but I'm just not, I don't know. I just don't think his game's going to be, you know, what you need here uh, potentially. So with these tough conditions, but yeah, that's all I got for the 8k range. So uh, I guess lead us off in the 7k range, Nick, what are you liking? Okay. So, uh, Basically, my stat model that I've been looking at is uh, greens and rag from 175 to 200, approaches 200 plus, strokes gain approach, sand save, par 5 birdie better, and then I look at recent form, course history, and then scrambling around the green, and I weight them at different percentages for how important I think they are, and uh, coming out at the top of, you know, obviously I only do it for guys that I like at first glance. And coming out in actually uh, really good numbers is going to be Carlos Ortiz at 7,100. He's just looking at the stats. He's really checking the boxes in greens and regulation from 175 to 200. Uh, He's at just over 65% on the season. Um, He's in good recent form. He has decent course history. He's only played here one time, but he made the cut and got around 30th place. Then uh, his scrambling has been really good. He's getting up and down two out of three times on average. And then uh, obviously he's a bomber and uh, he's checking the box in par five, birdie or better. So uh, Ortiz, I, I like him. And then he's, he, he holds his own in stroke gain approach. And yeah, so Ortiz is probably my favorite play. Then... Um, another guy who's checking a lot of boxes is a guy who completely just uh, flopped at the Puerto Rico, which is surprising because he's made every cut on the PGA. But uh, Alex Noren, uh, he's he's a bomber also. He's in solid form outside of that missed cut. And then uh, his course history here is okay. Let's see. He has last four years or so. He's only played it two times, but he made the cut both times at 49th place and 36th, so you know, that's okay. And uh, his scrambling is really good, too. It's pretty solid in sand saves and pretty solid around the green. So I like Alex Noren. And then, uh, but probably actually my two favorite plays that I might go really overweight on, even up to 100%, is going to be two guys paired right next to each other $7,600 Ian Poulter and then uh, RCB Rafa Cabrera Bale uh, Poulter you know he showed no signs of rust at the Honda he obviously he lives in Florida everybody knows that when he's in the states so he knows these uh what is it Bermuda grass he knows yeah. it really well um he just he loves Florida for some reason. He always contends at Honda. He's always contending here at the API, and then he usually does quite well at the players too. So, just looking at his last four years here, he's made the cut every single year. No better than twenty third place, but you know, there's a first for everything. But there's also no worse than fiftieth place. So I I feel really confident with Ian Poulter. It's just a solid play. I love him in cash. GPPs, he's probably going to be a little bit on the chalkier side, so he's not going to win it for you, but he's going to keep you in the mix. 
And then uh, definitely a lower owned play, I think. He'll probably be around like maybe like 5 to 8% this week is uh, Rafa Cabrera. Um, he's only played here one time, which was last year, but he got third place. So I guess he he likes the course. Um, his recent form is pretty solid. He, he, uh, he shook off the rust at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, which he missed the cut at, but followed that right back the very next week at Genesis with a 17th and then came to Mexico and got a 16th place. So RCB's in really good form. Uh, he's known for his long irons on tour. I've been saying that for about two years now that this guy is probably a top 10 in the world at par threes that are like 200 plus. Uh, he's, he's pretty long off the tee. I'd say he's, you know, probably longer than like 60% of these guys out here. Um, the thing that lets him down is definitely like his his uh his putter and then his scrambling out of the sand. He's not very good there, but I feel like he's gonna give himself enough opportunities this week, and uh, he's definitely not afraid to be up in one of the final groups. So if he's up there, he's not gonna choke. And I I just I really like him this week. I feel like he's just gonna be too low owned and he's going to do very well so i'm probably going to be playing him 100 percent this week so he's probably my number one play and then another guy to maybe throw a dart at is uh max homa uh he's 7900 but the thing is he's obviously he has great recent form uh he got the price bump so I don't know if he's quite worth the value anymore, but the thing is all of his recent form came on polo grass. So I don't know how he's going to make the switch to uh, Bermuda, but who knows? Maybe he's, maybe it just doesn't matter and he's going to keep playing good, but I don't know. I'd be a little bit hesitant because I feel like he's a little bit overpriced and a little bit overowned. So that's, that's never a good combination to get behind. And then uh, Charles Schwartzel, 7,500. I mean, the guy is, he might be back. He might be back. He got fifth place and 17th in two starts. And, you know, this guy, at one time, he was a world-class golfer. I think he was, like, number three in the world a few years ago, maybe, like, five or eight years ago. So, you know, he has all the talent in the world, and he's just gone through some injuries. And uh, sometimes these guys, they, they can definitely get it back. So, I put Charles Schwartzel right in the category of Sergio Garcia in his prime. So I I would definitely play Charles if you're playing a bunch of lineups. I mean, throw him in a few of them. So he could, I mean, he could win this thing. He definitely has win equity that some of these other guys don't have. And then I, I also kind of like Joel Damon. He has great recent form too, but just like with Max Homa, it came on pole grass. So I don't know how it's going to translate into the Florida swing. But he's 7,300, and then some. Oh, one more guy is uh, Harold Varner, 7,100. Uh, he's in pretty solid form himself. He got 13th at Genesis, and then followed that up with a uh, 42nd at Honda. So he's done it on both the Poa and the Bermuda grass. So I really like Harold Varner too. Uh, he's he's a bomber. He's he can just he kind of has the all around game, and I feel like he since he's a young player, he's really gaining confidence right now. I could kind of see that even though he topped one at uh, at Genesis when he was in the lead. But, uh, yeah, I like Harold. And then some fades that I just would play 0%, give them no consideration, 
is going to be Phil Mickelson, 7900 and that's just too much of a price. This course has way too many hazards for Phil to compete at. And, I mean, let's be honest, he's it's just too likely that he misses the cut. Um, another thing is a chalky Harris English. I know everybody likes him now because he's been making cuts and he's been doing it while he's the chalk, so everybody wants to go back to the well, but I'm not going back to the well on him. I mean, I played him a little bit last week, but I don't know. He got really lucky, too. Like, he was making just these insane putts. I know when he was, like, the round one leader, he gained, like, four strokes putting, and since after that he faltered and just finished, you know, whatever he did, 17th place. But, yeah, I don't want a chalky Harris English. And then, uh, obviously, I mean, I'm just going to say this just for fun, 7,200. Francesco Molinari, defending champion. Just don't play him this week, or <laughs> you better have some extra money that you can just throw down the toilet if you're playing Francisco. But, yeah, that does it for me. Okay, so I love this range. Just absolutely be playing a lot of these guys, um, you know, pairing up with some guys I mentioned, you know, that are a lot pricier at the top. Um yeah, I'm just going to – you didn't mention him at all, but I'm liking Kevin Kisner quite a bit. I think one thing I want to say is as far as history, I believe he's a his, he's a very good Bermuda putter. And at 7,800, he actually finished last year, um, T23 here last year. And, you know, he's obviously overall decent form lately besides at the American Express. And he's a really good long iron player I, um, for the most part. So – I don't know. I know like bombers have an advantage here, but these tough conditions and a lower ball flight like Kisner has, and that's why another guy right next to him, I'll just say him too. At Abe Answer at seventy eight hundred, same thing here. You know, he's a great long iron player. He obviously doesn't have the greatest distance off the tee either, but you know, not not bad. Like it's not like he's a big time short knocker. Um, so I like both of them at seventy eight hundred. I'll be playing a lot of them. They're both in great form, great ball striking, you know, decent iron play. Um, and I just think, well, for Kisner especially, I think Bermuda is his best surface for putting, and he's obviously a pretty solid putter. So, I don't know, I just think they're going to be kind of sneaky plays at 7,800. Um, so, I just kind of, you know, like them quite a bit here. Um, and then – yeah, I'm full agreement with you. Ian Poulter, he's a Florida boy, 7,600 last few years here. He actually also finished T23 here last year and the year before he made the cut, I think like T40-something. Um, obviously, yeah, I was on him last week. A lot of people weren't, and it worked out for me. And, you know, I'm, I'm going back to the well with him. I'll be playing a lot of Poulter. You know, he's a grinder, and he, I think he, uh, you know, he loves uh, – Obviously loves Florida courses. He's from here, so I don't see why he can't notch another great finish this week. So checks a lot of the boxes. So I'll be playing some Poulter at 7,600. And, yeah, you know, Rafa, I think, uh, you know, his ownership, I agree with you, it probably will be under 10%, but people are kind of – I've heard some chatter on him a little bit, so might be a little bit more than that but we'll see but I do like Rafa as well obviously last year you know he uh 
I believe. Yeah, he finished T3 here last year. Um, and then obviously, the, you know, last few finishes, 17th the Genesis, 16th in WGC. Um, and obviously, yeah, like you said, he's a really good uh, par three, long par three player. Um, so, you know, and there, that's like all the par threes this week at this course. And it's going to be important to, at the very least, you know, save par in those holes because there's a lot of guys that are going to bogey those holes if they – you know, miss hit it off the tee, you know, and then that's why that's the biggest thing too is, you know, um, around the green, I'm really looking more into around the green, strokes gain around the green than I previously thought I was going to. But as we're talking here, I'm starting to really like it. Um, so, but yeah, I really, I like Rafa as well. You know, I'm probably going to make under 10 teams, but he'll probably make a few. And so will answer and Kisner. Um, other than that, um, another guy that's a great long iron player seems to like these type of tracks is Ryan Moore at 7,400. I like him quite a bit. Checks a lot of the boxes, um, as far as like being a pretty solid, uh, player between approaches over 200 yards, which he's going to have to do a lot. Cause he's not, you know, he, he's not the longest hitter by any means, but if you're going to play a guy that doesn't hit it as long off the tee this week, I think Ryan Moore with his great long iron play. I like him at 7,400. Obviously his form, he hasn't played a whole lot this year, only like three tournaments, but decent form. Um, so I kind of like Ryan Moore. Uh, and then another guy that really is going under the radar and I'm going to be playing him because I think for one, this is his best putting surface as well. I believe is I'm going to, uh, is Scott Piercy basically checks every box that I'm looking at, which is a little surprising, but he's obviously in really great form lately. And I just think people are just really going to, you know, not, um, not even, you know, take a close look at him. I think he's going to be, you know, probably like 7% owned. So I like Scott Piercy at 7,300. Cause yeah, a lot, I've heard a lot of chatter on Joel Damon. So that's why I think people are going to go to him instead or, like you mentioned, Harris English, um, and yet, uh, you know, and then honestly, people can't ignore his play, and he does set up pretty well for this course, and that's Wyndham Clark, but I'm going to fade him. I think his price is way too much for his talent. I know he's been playing out of his mind lately, but that's just kind of why I think he's due to kind of have a bad week, and he's obviously really, his putter's just been red hot, Um but some other guys, yeah, that's why I'm fading English. I'm fading uh, Wyndham Clark in this range. Fading J.B. Holmes. I think that's an easy fade. Phil Mickelson, you know, wild off the tee. You know, really abysmal as far as I'm concerned. He'll spray it all over into the water, probably hook it left right into the – yeah, just Phil likely misses the cut. Um Max Homa, you know, you can't ignore his really good play. But, yeah, like you said, his transition here into, you know, going from Pola to Bermuda, I just think he could have a down week because maybe he's not prepared for this new green service. And with his price, it's just so elevated that I'd just rather play Kisner, who's a great Bermuda putter, answer, and great long iron players. Poulter obviously knows these tracks from Florida. Uh, so those guys I would just much rather play. And then I'm going to throw a dart on Ryan Moore a little bit, I think. And then Scott Piercy will make some teams as well. Other than that, I'm really fading the rest of these guys. 
either because I don't think the course, the conditions and everything else doesn't set up great for them. They're, or they're, a lot of these guys, their form just isn't there right now. But another guy that I do like a little bit, again, I'm going back to the well. He might make a team for me is Taylor Gooch. Uh, just playing really solid, great, you know, great as far as strokes gain approach. But the reason why I'm hesitant on him is because his around the green play is pretty abysmal. It's not great. So I think that's important this week. Um, so I just, with all these bunk, which, you know, last week it was too, and he still notched a decent finish, but that's just because I was watching it and he was just dialing in on some of it early in the tournament, especially he was really just, you know, dialing it in a few feet away with his irons, uh, which I think this week is going to be a lot tougher with these more firm and fast greens. So he might honestly even miss the cut. I mean, he over half the field's making the cut, so he probably makes it. His history here is okay. Um, but I, other than that, you know, I see why you like Ortiz, but I'm, I, I guess he's an okay play for me. I just don't think he's going to make my lineups. I'm just not making as many. I was right on Glover last week. I ended up fading him. He ended up being a great fade. I know he missed the cut. I know that he, uh, you know, he's, he's, it's just really, cause if you look, his form is just, isn't that great. Like he might barely make the cut or he might barely miss the cut. And I know, you know, I just, same thing this week. I just, you can't, he doesn't have the upside. He doesn't, and he's not, you know, he's not a long ball hitter off the tee. So it's an easy fade for me again. Cause last week his ownership was really high and I just, I was, I didn't know why. I mean, I knew, I just didn't really understand it. I know, you know, but he, uh, he likes these Florida tracks, but his form just isn't quite there where he's capable of sometimes. So, and yeah, you know, I'm a little interested in Joel Damon, but I'm probably going to fade him. Cause I would just, I think Piercy's just going to go way more under the radar and same thing where Damon, this transition from, you know, Poana to Bermuda might give him some mishaps potentially. Uh, will be interesting to see that. And yeah, other than that, that's really about it. Um, yeah, it's really all I got for the 7K range. So just to recap here, my favorite plays for sure are Scott Piercy. He's my sneaky play. My favorite plays of the week are probably Ian Poulter, Rafa, and uh, Kisner and Answer. I like them a lot. I'm going to be pairing those guys, you know, with uh, like Rory, for example, and Xander at the top. So, um, yeah, that's all I got for the 7K range. So, Nick, is there any dart throws or sneaky plays you like and you'll be pairing up with, like you said, Roy or whoever uh, in the 6K range? What's your thoughts on this range? Yeah, so obviously I'm going to probably have to dip down here a little bit since I'm going up top with Rory. And uh, the guy who's really checking the boxes is 6,800 Lonto Griffin. Um, I know his stats might be a little bit skewed because he was – off to a hot start in the fall. So maybe he's not in as good as recent form, but actually he still is playing really good. Um, He was doing great at the start of the season and then he missed a few cuts, but then he got it back and his last three starts on tour has been ninth, 37th and 29th. So that's, 
that's pretty solid if you ask me for 6,800. And the thing is, he's never played this course before, so uh, who knows if he'll be able to figure it out. But based off the stats, I mean, he's checking the boxes in par five, birdie or better. He's one of the best on tour at it, actually. You think he's in the top 10. Um, like I said, his recent form is really good. His scrambling around the green is excellent. He's one of the best on tour in that stat, too. Um, his sand save percentage is okay. He's not great, but he's pretty average, along with his strokes gained approach, so he's average there as well. Uh, he can get hot with the putter at times, so that's always a bonus. And then... Uh, his approach is from 200 plus. He's ranked 50th on tour, so you know he's better than like 80 percent of guys. So, yeah, I, I really like Lonto Griffin at 6,800. And then uh, additionally, I, I'll always play this guy as 6,700. Rory Sabatini. I mean, the guy he's just a cut maker, and if he misses the cut, he barely does. So, at least I know I'm getting a 50-50 chance with the guy compared to a lot of these other guys. And then another guy down at 6,500 that I like is, let me make sure he's 6,500. Yeah, 6,500 is a Mark Hubbard. Um, he, he impressed me at the Honda. And then he also had a ninth place at Phoenix about a month ago. So Hubbard's in good form. Um, he's only played this course one time. But that was four years ago, and he missed the cut. But I feel like he's just a completely different golfer now compared to what he was. So, I mean, I'd definitely be willing to have Mark Hubbard on a team or two because, again, he's really good at at a par five, birdie or better. He's he's uh, checking the box in there. I mean, I shouldn't say he's really good, but he's good enough. And uh, scrambling around the green, solid. And his strokes gain approach, he's he's gaining. So he's better than average there. And, you know, that's, that's really all you can ask for with a guy that, that's this cheap. So I like Hubbard. Um, probably the lowest I would go is Kevin Tway at 6,200 just because I know he's a long hitter. And, you know, you never know. And also Kevin Chappell, he's a long hitter too. But, yeah, you can definitely afford to be a little more aggressive this week since, like you said, about half or a little over half of the field is going to make the cut. And, uh, yeah, with these windy conditions, you know, anybody can make it or miss it. So you kind of just got to go with whatever stats you're looking at, whatever, who's ever checking the boxes you like this week. And, yeah, so those are my uh, dart throws. How about you, Joe? All right. So for me, I uh... – you know, we definitely have some agreement. Yeah, my, I mean, the guy just completely pops as far as the stats I'm looking at. Like you men- mentioned, is uh, Lonto Griffin at 6,800. Um, you know, I'm definitely going to be playing him. He hasn't played here, like you said. But, uh, you know, obviously, I, I can't seem to figure this guy out, though. Uh, you know, I decided to play him at the Waste Management. I, or the, uh, yeah, and the farmers, and or at least one of them, I don't remember exactly, but he missed the car, obviously burned me there, and then, you know, he's obviously been playing great ever since then, though, so, you know, uh, he just checks every box, and 
I just, you know, he's obviously, I feel like he at least will hopefully make the cut and, you know, and maybe can uh, obviously, you know, want him to finish as high as he can. Uh, but, you know, I like him quite a bit, 6,800. Like I said, he just completely pops and checks all the boxes. So it's hard not to want to play him. Another guy, he can't ignore his brilliant, uh, really amazing play this year, and that's Matthew Naismith. Um, check some of the boxes. Obviously, his form has been great. So I might throw a dart on him on a team. Uh, and then other than that, there's not a whole lot of guys I like in this range. Um, but some other dart throws. Uh Sam Ryder at 6,400. He finished T33 here last year, and, you know, his form's been okay lately, uh, making some cuts. But, you know, if you just – if you really want to – he had some really good finishes in January, uh, the American Express and Sony, you know, top 30 finishes there. Did really well at the Puerto Rico. That doesn't say anything. But he made the cut last week at the Honda, so – you know, last year he finished T33, so I might throw a dart on him maybe. Uh, another guy that <clears throat> has a lot of upside, but he can easily give a lot of it back like he did at the Honda, and that's Doc Redman. You know, if you look, his round one, um, he's 6,300. He uh, shot a 68 and was contending for a first-round leader, and then round two he absolutely blew up and shot a 76 to miss the cut. So obviously it's very volatile, but his form overall is pretty solid this year. And So I like some Doc Redmond to take a chance on at 6,300. Another guy, Pat Perez, I kind of seem to like this play this guy a lot. Obviously is, he's not in his uh, prime anymore, but at 6,400, you know, he's a cut maker. He strikes me as a little bit of a grinder with these tough conditions. I could see himself, you know, finding a way to make the cut again. And, you know, maybe he has a great week and finishes up there somehow. But I might, I think I'm going to take a chance on him if I decide to pair up like Rory and Hideki on a lineup. If I, which I know I said I'm not going to play a whole lot of Hideki probably, but if I decide to or whatever, you know, those really expensive guys pairing them up, I'll probably have to play Sam Ryder or Pat Perez way down here in the 6K range. So I like them um, a little bit. Another another two guys right by each other as well, checking some boxes, playing great this year, is Bo Hostler and Patrick Rogers, both at 6,600. You know, Definitely with over half the field making the cut, I feel like they both will probably make the cut with how well they're playing. And, you know, they check a lot of the boxes, uh, have not some decent finishes here in the past. So I like both of them a little bit. Um, and then really, that's really about it for me in this range. I'm a little interested in Brendan Todd or Sebastian Munoz. Um, but I'm just not sure yet with them, really. They check some boxes for sure. Brendan Todd's actually a really good player on the greens, and he's obviously solid form overall. Munoz, uh, you can rip it. You know, he's a really good par five scorer, and he's been playing well. So 
I kind of like both of them. It's, uh, they're both at 6,900. So other than that, everyone else is just fades to me. You know, Rory Sabatini, I just, Andrew Putnam, they're both kind of interesting, but at the same time, obviously Putnam's form hasn't quite been there lately, but before that he was playing really well. Um, so, you know, maybe he finds it this week. Uh, but yeah, Sabatini, he had a really good year last year, but lately he just hasn't, he's kind of not, you know, I don't want to say, well, I mean, he finished last week T35 at the Honda, so obviously, over, and then he made a lot of cuts in January, but then he had a little downstretch. So, I mean, he's an all right play as well, but I'm just, I just like Bo Hostler maybe better and, you know, and if I, I feel like I might have to go cheaper, like to throw a dart on Perez or Ryder or something. But yeah, other than that, that was really about it. The rest of the range, I'm just fading based on either their play, their course history sucks. They don't check any boxes. So yeah, that's all I got for DraftKings breakdown. So Nick, if you have any guys that you might bet on, this week for outrights, uh, go ahead and give us your thoughts on that. Yeah, and... I, I probably won't be betting on any outrights just because I feel like uh, McElroy is going to win, and uh, I don't really want to have to one odd. So I might be betting some top fives, though. So I'll just give you guys a few of the that I like. And Poulter at eight, top five, I feel like that's a great bet. Um, <coughs> another one. Is gonna be uh, a little bit even further down the list, but uh, and find him is uh, Charles Hoffman at thirty-three to one. I mean, sometimes Hoffman uh, he was the runner-up here, so I wouldn't be surprised if he can. You know, sometimes he can just get really hot. So I feel like that's a fair bet. And then I guess an outright that I really don't mind as a long shot would be uh, Wallace, 125-1. to I mean, great player, and it's probably only a matter of time before everything clicks for his game. So I wouldn't be surprised if he has a nice week. And then, uh, you know, Charles Schwartzel, that guy's – he could be really due to pop at 80-1. to So, yeah, I really like Charles too. And then – Moving up just a little bit further, if I'm not betting McElroy, I'd probably go down to uh, Day at 28 to one or Stenson at 40 to one. But yeah, like I said, it's just I'm pretty confident that Rory's gonna get the job done this week, and you know his odds are just so low, it's just not really worth it. Okay, so yeah, I'm in agreement with you. I don't. I might not bet on anyone outright just because Rory clearly is the heaviest. He's the uh, favorite here by far, and yeah, I just you know the books are right on. I think he probably will contend to win, and definitely could win um, for sure. Uh, but if I was gonna bet on some guys, uh, I see in Poulter to win at a hundred to one. Maybe he finds you know, the return to glory for him. Maybe he somehow wins in his home state of Florida at 100 to 1. You know, maybe take a shot on that. I just – it's hard with his, you know, age now and stuff. It's hard for him to 
you know, maybe find a way to win again. But he obviously, I think he'll have a really good finish this week. So take a shot on that. Um, another guy, I mean, I like Scott Piercy at 125 if I'm going to throw another dart a little bit. But I'm probably not going to just because it's hard for me to think that one of the top names aren't going to win. Um, you know, <laughs> I see Lonto Griffin at 150, another long shot. Never even played here, but he checks every box. So, you know, maybe you never know. Um, other than that, it's really about it. Kisner 80 to one. I kind of like that. Tyrell Hatton at 50 to one. I don't know, I just have a gut feeling he's going to really contend this week, so I like him. Uh, other than that, it's really about it. Um, Xander maybe at 20 to 1, or Hideki, or Bright. I mean, all these guys, 18. If I was going to bet on one guy besides Rory, he'd be one of those guys. But, yeah, that's really about it. So, yeah, um, obviously it's more appealing doing the uh, – maybe betting on guys to finish – like Poulter, for example, like to, you know, try to notch a top 10 finish. So it's probably where the value is this week just because, you know, the odds aren't there. So, yeah, that does it for the No BS DFS podcast this week. Uh, next week we got the players at TPC Sawgrass. Obviously, you know, the you know considered the fifth major in the PGA Tour. Obviously, everyone basically plays in it. Huge field. Um, you know, obviously great course and venue. And, you know, it obviously will be an awesome tournament. But this tournament this week should be very fun as well with the tough conditions. It'll be interesting to see how all these guys play. So, is there any final thoughts you want to give our listeners, Nick, at all? Yeah, I just – I see next week we got a million acre for the players, so – that's always fun. Uh, unfortunately, it's only like a two and a quarter million prize pool, so it's extremely top heavy. So you really gotta pick your spots in which uh, contest you want to play next week. But yeah, the players that I can't wait for it. But this is definitely a great build up. And then uh, one thing that I gotta say to criticize the PGA Tour coverage again is I'm sorry I gotta do it, guys. But you're just you're really letting me and I'm sure a lot of other people feel the same way. And that is uh, just the very poor announcing, just the lack of knowledge that these announcers have. Like, for example, Bones, great announcer. They need more guys like Jim Bones Mackay out there because he tells you like it is, and when it's a hard shot, it's a hard shot. And when he says it's an easy shot, it's an easy shot. But when I heard probably three, four, five times, and this was just on Sunday in the stretch of probably – an hour and a half when I was watching the golf tournament is uh, one of these announcers, some, some uh, lady, I forget her name. It's not Dottie Pepper, but it's the other woman announcer. And uh, she's keeps saying, Oh, this ball's on a great line. And every single time, yeah, it might've been on a great line, but it was 10 yards short or 10 yards long. And it ended up at least 30 feet away from the hole. Which, uh, you know, obviously, it's is it a huge deal? No, but it's just, it's nice to have the announcers actually know what they're talking about. So, just, it really makes you appreciate the guys like Bones and Nick Faldo and 
you know, some of those other guys. Zinger, I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of Paul A. Zinger, but at least he knows what he's talking about. And obviously you can't have all former players and caddies be announcers. So the main guys, Dan Hicks, Jim Nance, they do a tremendous job, I think, too. But, I mean, I just – I'm still absolutely shocked they got rid of Peter Costas and Gary McCord over at CBS. And, you know, I'm on the – I'm on the uh, petition to get them back. So that about does it for me. Yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be a hell of a week. Um, weather should be pretty decent, as in uh, viewing, you know, aesthetically, anyhow. Uh, it's going to be pretty sunny, it looks like, outside of Thursday, which is going to be cloudy. But, yeah. Uh, and then, Joe, I just got to ask you one thing. Is uh, how did you feel about the 645 tee-offs? I mean, it was like I woke up and guys were already uh, through one or two holes. It was a big change compared to when they're teeing off at noon. Yeah, so for me, you know, I didn't mind it a whole lot. Um, but obviously, which it looks like this, we're teeing off quite early again. So that's interesting. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I don't mind it per se i i'd probably rather have them tee off later i kind of like primetime golf more so me too you know i definitely i definitely would rather have them tee off a lot later um but yeah it looks like this week they're probably teeing off earlier again um so obviously i just hope that they believe it's nbc again i hope that they uh you know coverage finds a way to somehow get a little better obviously there's been a lot of complaints i'm in agreement with you on a lot what you said hopefully they uh i like it you know hopefully they i like that they're showing a lot more though um you know as far as time of coverage they're you know they're showing a little bit more than they have before so you know i kind of like that i guess to see more of the golf shots and everything else all the you know players out there but yeah it's really all my final thoughts, you know, obviously for me, I want to keep this street going. Hopefully you guys are, you know, making some money and uh, let's keep this train rolling here and really in the heart of golf season with all the majors coming up. Uh, and let's be honest, the players is almost as, it's definitely, you know, a great tournament. And we got that next week. Uh, and honestly, it's considered a major to a lot of the players, uh, you know, a huge prize pool and just the competition with everyone playing in it. And yeah, so I'm excited for next week, but this week should be a great week as well. So that does it for the No BS DFS podcast. So hope to see you guys tune in again next week. Uh, yeah, so see ya. Make some money.